TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome and thank you for joining us on another episode of Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. This is a show about your health, your life, and much more with our rotating cast of experts. If you missed any of our shows in the past and you'd like to catch up, you can do so by visiting our website, talk1370.com slash experts. And of course, if you have any questions for any of our experts, feel free to email us, asktheexperts at talk1370.com. Today's expert is Dr. Slaughter. And Dr. Slaughter is here with sinus and snoring specialists. Their practice is located in North Austin, right by Palmer and Mopec. And Dr. Slaughter is here to speak about the difference between snoring and upper airway resistance syndrome and sleep apnea. Dr. Slaughter, this is your first time on the program. I want to welcome you today. Oh, glad to be here. Before we get started, let's start with a quick intro about you and, and what you do. Well, sure. Yeah, I'm an ear, nose, and throat doctor and have been practicing in the Austin area for really 25 years. Um, about two years ago, I started a individual specialty practice focusing specifically kind of on four large areas, sinus, uh, snoring, uh, allergy, and sleep apnea. And so our focus really is to see if we can come up with practical ways to be able to resolve those issues. And how long have you been um – serving the the Austin area? You know, it's been 25 years, really. That's what I was saying. So 25 years is a long time. I can't believe I'm that old. Um, But really, I do all aspects of ENT and always have. But I really have a passion specifically for addressing uh, people with nasal congestion, sinus issues, people that have snoring and sleep apnea, which are really directly related, and allergies, which after we've really corrected those issues with sinus and snoring, managing the allergies is really important. So about two years ago, we started sinus and snoring specialists to be kind of focused on that. Uh, and we've really been enjoying it. And before we go any further, if if you would like to find out more information about sinus and snoring specialists, you can visit their website, sinussnoringent.com. Again, that's sinussnoringent.com. Or you can call them today, 512-601-0303. Dr. Slaughter, we'll just start off with this first question. What causes snoring? Yeah, this is a conversation I have with patients uh, all day long. Uh, snoring is actually really common. So 45% of adults actually snore and about 25% of adults snore nightly. So it's actually a really common problem. Uh, there's really f- four big reasons why someone snores. Nasal blockage is usually the primary driver So nasal congestion, sinus issues, problems inside the nose, that's the big issue. A long, floppy, soft palate, the uvula, the little dangly guy in the back of the throat, that's oftentimes also a culprit for snoring. People that have large tongues, a large tongue base, uh, or the tongue is too large for the size of the jaw, that's another big culprit. And then the fourth is weight. Uh, People don't like, like to hear that, but most of us will really know we add 10, add 20 pounds, drop 10 drop 20 pounds, we really notice a change in the snoring. So Mm -hmm. 
when we evaluate people, we're really looking uh, on physical exam and also with some really sophisticated diagnostic equipment we have in the office. What are the specific reasons why they snore? And we look at those areas. I feel like that first question I should have asked you, why do I snore? Because <laughs> I didn't even know I did it until, you know, I was told about mm-hmm. it. So and I, and what, I imagine how most people find out that they actually do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's It's a really common phenomenon for people to come in the office and say, hey, I, I'm engaged now. And it turns out I snore. And I don't really think this engagement's going to go all the way yeah. through to the marriage <laughs> unless I fix it. You know, what can I do for it? And and that's the fun in it for me because as it turns out, really, when we correct this problem, we correct two people's problems. Mm-hmm. If you snore, typically your sleep quality is not good and you're powering through it. Um, so it's bothering you in a lot of ways, but it also bothers the bed partner. So we get to make two people happy. Yeah. And sleep is the most important thing that a human being needs to do. Yeah. It, it's interesting. You know, we spend, um, you know, a lot of our lives in bed asleep. Why do we need that? mental, psychological, and physical restoration. And when you don't get that, there's just a laundry list of things that go wrong. You know, simple things like being grumpy or, you know, work performance, things like that. And also very serious things uh, such as hypertension, diabetes, obesity, atrial fibrillation, heart attack, you know, a laundry list of things you don't want. We will, you know, jokingly tell patients if we don't address this issue, You'll end up as sort of an old, sick, fat person with a bad heart, mm-hmm. and nobody wants nobody wants that to happen. Absolutely. So, what can one of our listeners uh, do at home to stop snoring? Well, there are simple things you can do at home uh, that we refer to as sleep hygiene. So, let's think about the worst situation. In other words, if I really wanted to snore tonight, what would I do? Well, I'd make sure the previous night I really didn't get a good night's sleep, so mm-hmm. I'm exhausted when I go to bed. And I'd have a really big, nice glass of bourbon or four beers or whatever your alcoholic beverage choice is before I go to bed. And then I'd sleep flat and I'd sleep on my back. If you put all those together, you're going to get somebody who doesn't snore at all and they're going to snore. So avoiding alcohol within two hours of bedtime, sleeping elevated, sleeping more on your side to prone is important. Having a regular sleep schedule so that you are not exhausted when you go to bed. And we can get into the details on this, but the nose is typically the primary driver of snoring. So if you're not managing your allergies, that's a big issue as well. And I think we've been dancing around this question, but is snoring serious? Yeah, it is. Now, basically, if you snore only, let's let's just define this. Snoring is noise that's made because of resistance to airflow when you're sleeping at nighttime. Upper airway resistance syndrome is the same except for the degree of resistance and snoring is loud enough and there's enough vibration that it actually prevents the the actual snorer from getting deep sleep. They'll tend to have more light sleep and less restorative sleep. And sleep apnea is the same again except for the resistance is enough that there's cessation of airflow. When there's no air movement at all, it drops the oxygen concentration in the blood and that's when you're going to have a cascade of, of really significant health issues. It puts a strain essentially on the cardiovascular system when you have sleep apnea. So simple snoring can be serious only in the sense that it can damage your relationships. Mm-hmm. Upper airway resistance syndrome can damage relationships and really not make you at your peak performance during the day because your sleep quality is poor. 
And then sleep apnea does both of those, but it also is just going to damage your health long term. And only because I just went home last weekend and I noticed this, and I'm going to forward this episode to my father. Why should someone that snores see a doctor? Yeah, this is something we thought of when we started this practice. We we thought to ourselves, gosh, this is an incredibly common problem, and it really bothers people's lives. Why is there not one location where you can go and get an answer and get a resolution? And why does it seem by a million different advertisements that there isn't really any cure? Because, I mean, the rule of thumb is if there's 50 ways to fix it, none of them work, right? Mm -hmm. So what we discovered by talking with patients for a long period of time is this serious, significantly uh, serious problem. People don't go see the doctor because, number one, they don't want to have a sleep lab study. They don't, they don't want to go to a sleep lab and have all the wires and all the inconvenience associated with it. And they've heard that CPAP, which is the pressure mask on the face, is the only way it can be fixed. And they're, they know they're never going to be able to do that. So they take this potentially serious problem and leave it unevaluated. Why go get it evaluated? Well, in our office, we've gotten rid of those two, two things. We, you don't need to go to a sleep lab. We do home sleep studies. And we have lots of options for therapy besides using a CPAP. The reason to go is for those three things we've described. Look, it's bad for your personal relationship. It's bad for your sleep quality. And it's bad for your body to be having snoring or potentially worse, like sleep apnea. And, you know, getting it evaluated, a simple office visit to get on a long-term path to correct that is really wise to do. Again, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. We're sitting down with Dr. Slaughter with the Sinus and Snoring Specialist. To find out more information uh, from the Sinus and Snoring Specialist, you can visit sinussnoringent.com. Dr. Slaughter, we have just about a minute before the break. We can probably touch on this uh, briefly, but what is upper airway resistance syndrome? Yeah, so as I was just describing, the easiest way to say that is if you're watching someone with upper airway resistance syndrome, they snore loudly and it looks like their sleep quality is poor. If you talk to them, they're going to say they wake up in the morning and they really don't feel rested. Mm -hmm. If they had a chance, they'd nod off on a couch. Uh, they have excessive daytime sleepiness. So it's something that's bothering the bed partner with noise, but it also prevents the person from reaching deep levels of sleep. That's referred to as REM sleep, slow wave sleep. But those deep levels are the ones that give you the mental, psychological, and physical restoration. Without it, an unrestored person just doesn't feel good during the day. It's not as severe as sleep apnea, which has greater health consequences such as heart attack and cardiac arrhythmias. But look, to you and to your bed partner, <laughs> it's a serious issue because uh, it's bothering both of you. Again, this is Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. We're sitting down with Dr. Slaughter with the Sinus and Snoring Specialist. If you have any questions, any concerns, if you want to find out more information, you can visit sinussnoringent.com. You can also give them a call, 512-601-0303. We're going to step aside for a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to speak more on the topic of sleep apnea Stay tuned. You're listening to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. Catch up with past episodes of Ask the Experts, show notes, and more on our website 
It's all waiting for you at Talk1370.com. Welcome back to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. I'm your host, Matt Alvarez. Today, we're sitting down with Dr. Slaughter with the sinus and snoring specialist. Dr. Slaughter, before we went on the break, I said that we were going to speak a little bit about sleep apnea. Can you let our listeners know what sleep apnea is? Sure. Yeah. I think probably the best term is obstructive sleep apnea. And basically that means there is an obstruction of the upper airway during sleep. That obstruction means that the airway physically closes on itself and the airflow stops going to the lungs. What's going to happen without airflow to the lungs is the blood oxygen concentration is going to drop in the bloodstream. Now, the brain doesn't like that. It doesn't Mm -hmm. want someone to die while they're sleeping. And so the brain will wake the patient up to a lighter level of sleep. They may not necessarily become fully awake. That lighter level of sleep, they'll regain some of the resting tone in the back of the throat and the airflow will start again. Being nudged by your brain all night long to wake up every time you get into deep restorative sleep back to a lighter level of sleep so that you'll breathe means you don't get any good restorative sleep. You're just going to wake up feeling crappy. For the person that's next to the one, Uh, that's having sleep apnea, they're going to hear loud snoring and then the snoring is going to stop. And if they're watching them, it'll look like they're having an effort to breathe, but there's no snoring and no airflow. And then there's usually a massive big snore that's a catch up whenever the brain has woken them up to a lighter level of sleep where they're starting to move air again. So look, bottom line on it is, is every episode that's occurring and the more frequently they're occurring is a massive health strain for the, for the patient. Significant laundry list of things, which I think we've kind of gone through, that will uh, damage their health long term. And then they just wake up feeling terrible. They're totally non-restored. It, it wouldn't be uncommon for them to fall asleep driving, mm-hmm. fall asleep in the middle of tasks. And then probably as far as the patient's concerned, even worse than that, the bet, they wake up and the bed partner's not there. They move to another room or... It happens so much they get kicked out and they're not in the room anymore. So that's really what sleep apnea is. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it's a, a serious condition. Oh, it's very serious. And you run down that list, but, you know, simple things like weight gain, hypertension, diabetes, atrial fibrillation and other cardiac arrhythmias, congestive heart failure, heart attack, stroke, dementia. These are all things that are directly related to sleep apnea. And the earlier it gets evaluated and treated, uh, the less likely you get those complications. And are there some common symptoms of sleep apnea? Yeah, the biggest thing that people will report is, yes, I'm a loud snore and that I have excessive daytime sleepiness. Those are the two big things. So if, if you're somebody that, you know, your bed partner says you snore a lot, and in particular, if you feel tired during the day, if, you, if your bed partner has a witness where they think, you know, hey, it looks like you're not breathing at nighttime, they're probably under-reading it, really. Probably the sleep apnea is probably a little worse than what they think. Mm-hmm. So how is snoring evaluated? Well, when someone comes in with a complaint of snoring, uh, possible sleep apnea, in our office, there's kind of a comprehensive evaluation. Every patient is individually evaluated by me. So I'm going to do a good history, a good physical examination. There's a couple of sophisticated diagnostic tests that are done in the office to evaluate the causes. So again, the cause is usually nose, soft palate, 
base of tongue and weight, those four things. We evaluate the nose in the office by doing a mini CT scan, a real sophisticated type of CT scan in the office with low X-ray exposure that gives us a beautiful view of the cross-sectional diameter of the nasal airway and of the sinuses. We know that the larger the cross-sectional diameter of the nasal airway, in other words, the more open the nose and sinuses are, the less you snore and the less you have obstructive sleep apnea. In addition to looking with a CT scan, we have what's called a high-definition video nasal endoscope, which is basically a small telescope we can use to look inside the nose. And there's a screen attached to the exam chair that lets us, as well as the patient or family members, look on the inside. And that gives us kind of a surgeon's view of what we could fix to make the airway more open. The patient will then go home with a home sleep study. So home sleep study is a test that they can take at home in their own bed with their own blanket and their own teddy bear, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's going to allow us to get a very accurate view if it's simple snoring or if it's upper airway resistance syndrome or sleep apnea. So you're going to get the best reading, especially when they're at home in their own comfort level. Yeah, this is the issue forever. People have said, yeah, I had a sleep study. I went to a lab, but I couldn't even go to sleep there. It was weird. There was a bunch of wires on me. Funny people were looking at me. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was accurate. And it's actually been shown in studies that the most accurate place is in your own bed, in your own natural environment. Um, The question is, can you get really good data by doing that? Well, we couldn't in the past, but now there are very sophisticated home sleep studies that are easy to put on. It takes about two minutes to put our device on. You can sleep in any position. You can get up and use the restroom, have a sandwich. It doesn't make any difference. <laughs> It'll keep recording during that time. And during the time you're sleeping, we're going to get a very accurate, real assessment of your sleep condition uh, and where you stand in that sort of severity scale between snoring, upper airway resistance syndrome, and sleep apnea. It sounds fairly comforting, especially when you're in your own home. I can name a few friends that, that have downloaded some sort of app to mm-hmm. register their sleep at night. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it would be an easier transition for them to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I just actually wrote a big blog about that if anybody wants to look on our website about Um, devices people are using to evaluate their own snoring, the benefits of them, what they're missing. Basically, probably the simplest way to view that is your snore app you may have on your phone or your Fitbit um, is a a nice screen. The home sleep testing device that we send patients home with is a very comprehensive device. A whole lot more data is being collected. Oh, yeah. And it can accurately tell us what the story is. Again, if you would like to find out more information about uh, snoring evaluation and to maybe read that blog that Dr. Schlatter just mentioned, you can visit sinussnoringent.com. So, Dr. Schlatter, how soon do you get the results of a sleep study? So it's kind of nice in our office. One thing we've known for a long time is people that start on a path to evaluate this many times fall off. They fall off during that evaluation because it's too hard to make it through multiple appointments to get the answers and a plan. So when you see us in the office and you do the exam and the diagnostics, you'll go home that day with the home sleep testing. You'll do it that night in your bed. And when you drop it off the following day, we'll have the results back to you in less than 24 hours. The results basically are the apnea hypopnea index. Now, it's a big fancy doctor word for saying the number of times that you're having obstruction of your sleeping, in other words, obstruction of your airway per hour. The definition of sleep apnea is if you have more than five episodes of obstructive sleep apnea occurring hourly. 
And it's not uncommon for us to see people that have 20 episodes an hour, 50 episodes an hour, 70, 80, 90 episodes an hour. So we can see people that might be having an episode of obstruction twice a minute during the time they're sleeping. So the more severe it is, the worse your sleep quality, the worse you feel and the worse it is for your health. Knowing that number is important to us. Now, when we get that data, we know what we're up against and we know anatomically what the problems are and we can lay out a comprehensive solution, whether the patient may want to use the pressure mask, which is the CPAP. They may want to have procedural therapy. It's not sort of, you know, one solution to the problem. We're going to make a tailored solution. Now, would you recommend the use of over-the-counter snoring devices? Yeah, it's a good question. I just wrote a blog about that as well recently. The the vast majority of over-the-counter devices can really be put in two categories, things that are associated with the nose and things that are in the mouth. The things that are in the mouth are these oral appliances. There's ones that are like mouth guards, and they're used to pull the jaw and tongue forward. There's also ones that supposedly suction or stick to the end of the tongue and try to pull the tongue forward. The bottom line on it is is they're poorly made and they are almost completely useless. I doubt that I've really seen anyone ever in my practice 25 years in that has ever found any long-term success with those devices. Most of those are going to produce TMJ issues. They're going to produce dental migration issues. They're going to fall apart or break. The patient's going to spit them out in the middle of the night. Uh, and it's starting off on something like that without an evaluation is probably not going to really help you. If you use a breathe right nasal strip or some of the things that can be used inside the nose to brace or help open the nose, that is a good uh, mechanism to to improve nasal breathing. The better you breathe typically, the less you snore. But there's a whole black box that's going on inside the nose that you don't know about. And for a lot of patients, they're really not going to get a significant benefit from that. I would say that if you do get a significant improvement by using one of those devices, it means there's an anatomical problem in your nose that we could fix easily, uh, Mm -hmm. kind of like a 15-minute office procedure rather than, you know, using a device every night. And we have just a little bit of time left. I wanted to ask you if there's anything that you want to add and let our listeners know. Well, I think, you know, the primary focus of our practice is to get people to um, take this condition that they may have been putting on the back shelf and get it evaluated. So from our perspective, we want people to know there are, you know, simple, real answers. Those answers typically can be identified in a single office visit. And the vast majority of the cures to the problem usually involve something as simple as kind of a 15-minute office procedure uh, where the patient's able to work the next day. Again, that's Dr. Slaughter with the sinus and snoring specialist. To find out more information Uh, about the many topics that we spoke on today, the difference between snoring, upper airway resistance syndrome, and sleep apnea, you can visit sinussnoringent.com. Again, that's sinussnoringent.com. Their office is located in North Austin, right off Palmer and Mopac. Their number is 512-601-0303. And that's it for this segment of Ask the Experts. Don't go anywhere. We have more coming up right here on Talk 1370. Miss an episode of Ask the Experts? Catch up with all of our past shows on Talk1370.com slash experts. Ask the Experts returns in a few minutes on Talk 1370. 
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.